You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So I've got Romans 8 for us to look at today. And this is Romans 8, chapter, uh, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That means don't do that. Okay? That hurts. Just give you a little editorial comment. Don't do that. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Do that. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hallelujah. You know, when you hear Paul talk and it's it's all going, it's like, you know, there's parts of it that just connect with your spirit and you identify with, and it just really sets in, and you, and you have that. And then there's other parts that, that probably don't connect. And, and you're thinking, what's he saying? What's that again? A life in the what? Uh, in, in the fl- is spirit, the life, a death? What? And, and we, we look at all these words and the language, and I just want to remind you that the devil knows the scriptures, okay? He knows the scriptures. I'm amazed at how he can take just little phrases out, especially of some of Paul's writings, to bring condemnation to us. You know, and you read this, if you have this, you got the spirit, you've got like, if you don't, you don't, and you think, oh, do I have, do I have the spirit? Oh, am I, am I moving in, in, in Christ or... Relax. If you have that question inside of you, the answer is yes. If you don't have anything of God inside of you, you could care less. You wouldn't care whether you you belong or included. But because you care, and because you're wondering, well, am I really completely or am I just partially? Don't worry about it. Once you start, he's faithful to bring to completion everything that he begins. It kind of can, can, can be uh, accelerated if we cooperate, but uh, my confidence is in his ability to get us where he wants us to be more than our ability or desire to even be there. That's how good he is. Okay, now for what you're really waiting for. Here it comes. 
the Passion Translation. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're so familiar with Romans 8, the first one or two verses, but listen, listen again. I love the way he puts it. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law, quote unquote, of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law, quote unquote, of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. Hallelujah. Because when Adam sinned, the fall and the corruption that took place inside of us, the sin nature became a reality and it became, it became our master. It became the predominant force that would encourage us to choose the wrong path. Jesus, being God's solution to the sin of the first Adam, as the second Adam, he comes and he takes on all of humanity, all that it means to be a human being, to be a person, he took. Ah, but in his righteousness, he became the sin offering for us. And so Jesus broke the power of the sin nature. That's why when Graham Cook says, you no longer have a sin nature, you have a sin pattern. <laughs> when he said that, something inside my spirit just leaped and started doing backflips. I just loved it because it's so true. But as long as we believe because we still have patterns that are being adjusted and healed and transformed, as long as the enemy's able to catch us in a moment when we are doing something that we know we shouldn't, he then points and says, see, the blood of Jesus really doesn't go as deep as it should in you. And that's a lie. That's a lie. It has been established and it is being worked out in us. Now, I don't know what this does for you, but for me, when I realize that my sin nature is attached to the cross of Jesus Christ, and you can't see it, it's right behind the screen. There's the cross. When it is attached to the cross of Jesus Christ, I know that he paid completely for the price of everything that my sinful nature had twisted inside me. I know it. It's absolutely true. You can be confident of that. And when you're confident of that, then when temptation hits, you just say, I do not have to succumb to temptation. I do not have to give in to this thought. I find that I'm still thinking thoughts that are not his thoughts. And as soon as I'm aware that these thoughts are not the thoughts of God, I just capture them and say, I don't think I'm going to allow you to live in my mind rent-free. Matter of fact, you're being evicted. You are being cast out. And in 
the place that you occupied, I want to think the fresh thought, the new thought that I've never thought that comes from the mind of Christ. Because that's what we have, right? We have the mind of Christ. So I love that. I just think, oh, that's so good. I don't even know where I am. Does anybody have a clue where I left off? Okay, well, I've got some real highlighted stuff here. That's Okay, there we go. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. That's what I was talking about. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. There is real power with sin. And the guilt and the condemnation that comes with it is unbelievable. And Jesus has has taken care and dealt with that. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Release the full power of your presence inside of us. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits them. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, You are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the, and if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Mm -mm -mm. Just going to back up here just uh, to read a sentence to you. And since God's Spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Okay? Poke your neighbor, say, no, he's going to read it a third time, so listen this time. Okay? Mm -hmm. 
And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Okay, are you getting it? Is it starting to sink in? Your dying body. When is your body dying? Miss Linda, medical nurse. Every moment your body's dying. But the resurrection power, the resurrection power of the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you, raising you. I think if we just go from the natural in the case of the fall, after the fall, these natural bodies, they're dying. But now in Christ Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of resurrection residing in us. And we need to believe that and start releasing it to all of our spirit, to our soul, and to our physical body. Now, to me, it's so easy to see how the enemies duped us because we put so much into the science bag and into medicine bag, and we we put so much into that, that our faith is some kind of mixture of half this and half that. And don't mishear me, I thank God because I believe he gives the revelation to the doctors and to the scientists, to the research. He's all healing, it comes from the Lord. All healing comes from the Lord. And he, he works through that. But sometimes in our American culture, we have more faith in an aspirin than we do in prayer. You know, we have more faith in a chemical. Why? Because I took an aspirin, my headache went away. I took an aspirin and my pain left. And so we start to develop a relationship of faith with our medicine. I'm not speaking against medicine. Don't mishear me. Oh, you're going to go out and misquote me. I, I can smell it. (laughs) Don't do that. I thank God for, I take medicine. But I'm taking the Holy Spirit and God's word and wanting to see if they would like to trump my faith in medicine and see how they are going to do that. Now, a lot of times in in religious communities, you can have the kind of expression that says, if you're walking with God and you're walking in faith and you're walking in the kingdom, then you take everything and flush it right down the toilet and take all of this and never go to a doctor and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's that stream in the body of Christ that believe that way. I'm not floating in that stream, folks. Just in case, I'm not floating in that stream. But I'm not going to stay in the stream that just plays it safe and keeps my faith in what has worked. When the Word tells me and the Spirit starts giving me an inkling to believe for a manifestation of something more. Ah, if our bodies are dying and the Spirit of resurrection lives in us, 
what would happen if we gave an invitation to the spirit of resurrection, the spirit of Christ? What would happen if we gave it an invitation to do what it wants to do? If we give it permission to go outside just the little category of our spiritual life and allow it to come into our soul and allow it to even filter on down into our body. What might that look like? Let's find out. Let's begin. If you're a diabetic, do not go home and throw your insulin away. But check and see how things are going. Keep praying, keep inviting the Holy Spirit. I'm inviting the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Jesus into my pancreas on a regular basis now. Mm-hmm. Just seeing what they want to do. What would you like to do to this pancreas? Is it on this side, this side? Linda, where am I? Left. Left, okay, thanks. <laughs> what would you like to do, Holy Spirit, with my pancreas? <clears throat> Some of the pictures that, Lin- uh, that Gloria was given testimony, I've shared with several. And, uh, you know, pictures, a thousand words. I mean, I have people and they look at this picture and it shows, it's a depiction of the spirit and the soul and the heart. And when you see it, I have, I have several people that when they just look at it, tears start coming down their cheeks. It's just like, because it's communicating something of God to them. And I think if, if you're born again, your spirit has been renewed and regenerated and your spirit's doing really pretty good. There's no condemnation in your spirit. Where the enemy tries to work the condemnation is in your soul. He, he knows that he can't, he can't corrupt your spirit because it has been renewed, it has been born again. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so you have a, a fully live spirit. The heart seems to be the transition point between the spirit, the body, and the soul. But particularly for today, the soul. And the soul is, the enemy has been attacking our soul since we were infants. For some of us, even before we came out of the womb, our soul was being assaulted. And he tries to get as much damage in our souls as he possibly can because he knows our soul, our suke, is from where we live. And the, the, the zoe life, the spirit life that the, the Holy Spirit brings in, it comes and filters through our heart to bring transformation in our soul. And that's why many of us, it, it takes a long time because we've had, a, we've had severe damage We've had abuse, we've had horrible traumas, we've had all these things, and they are being healed from our spirit through our heart to our soul. And as our soul gets restored, oh, oh yes, we can come more and more in agreement with what the Spirit of God wants to do in our entire being the last oftentimes recipient of of the cascading grace of God is our bodies. (sighs) 
I think we need to set a notice in the spirit realm that we're pursuing all of God's provision for healing and wholeness and salvation. Salvation spiritually, salvation of our soul, and salvation of our bodies completely. And see what happens. If we're going to go after cancer, we've got to understand that cancer can be very complex. Sometimes it's simple, but oftentimes cancer seems to be very, very complex. And when we're dealing with the, with the bodies within our physical being, we've got to see how our soul is connected to those and what happens in the lymphatic system and what happens in our soul. And when we hold something in bitterness, in anger and resentment and revenge, when we're holding hostility and, and we're holding uh, hatred inside our soul, what that's doing to our physical being. I believe they're connected. And I just want to encourage us to, to begin to understand he wants to heal all of us. He came to save all of us. And uh, you keep going with your protocol, but as the Spirit gives you some inklings to, to stretch and to maybe experiment in prayer, in, in praying for different parts, you know, we're coming into more and more understanding all the time. Now, there's probably not very many of us that would look at Brenda Northrup and say she's an absolute space, flaky, spiritually scary kind of person. Does anybody see Brenda that way? I don't. She's rock solid. She's rock solid. But she's discovered something about essential oils. And I think there's a spiritual, physical, solical connection. And isn't it interesting that oil seems to be always a symbol of the Holy Spirit? And it's like, huh, that's really interesting. And I know several folks are doing the CBD oil and, and some of those kind of things. And you're checking some of that stuff out. And, and hallelujah, there's no condemnation, no shame with that. If Look at oil as oil of the Holy Spirit. And see how the Holy Spirit wants to take that and use it redemptively in your life. Last is the message. Eugene Peterson, God love him. He's, well, he's loving him real well now. He's graduated, he's in heaven, and he's having the time of his life with Jesus. And they're probably talking about all the wonderful insights that he had when he did his translation of, of the scriptures. This is what he says, the message in Romans 8. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Oh, is that good? Oftentimes I, I think of condemnation as a low-lying black cloud, but I think oftentimes what the enemy's trying to do in our spirit and our soul is like a low-grade infection that maybe not get connected very well with the thermometer, but it's always present. 
And, and so when I see that he's taking care of the, the, the black cloud, he's taking care of the low-grade infection too. A new power is an operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Are you tired of being terrorized by sin and death? Mm. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. <laughs> I love it. Jesus a pit bull going for the jugular. Yeah. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote or unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ends up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Love that. Don't redouble your efforts. Just simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions, God's action in them, find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Oh, yeah. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed with self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased with being ignored. Is that, that's beautiful. I, I, I love how how Eugene has navigated that in the spirit so that the enemy can't use condemnation. God just doesn't appreciate being ignored. He doesn't, doesn't he, he's not condemning us when we ignore him. He just doesn't appreciate being ignored. I, I thought that was, that was so good. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourselves experience life on God's terms. I think that's really important. So there is no condemnation, no shame we start where we are and we just see as we experience the Lord, how it manifests in our lives. So don't mishear me in saying, if you go out and you're still sick, something's wrong with you. No, we're living and we're, we're walking and we're appropriating 
all the fullness of intimacy with Christ and see where that leads us. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. (laughs) Thanks, Eugene. That was good. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that it has power. I pray today, Lord, that condemnation would be broken off every son and daughter. Father, that the the law of, of the sinful nature, our flesh, would be completely brought to nothing and that we'd give it a good burial today. Lord, you called us to be in you, to walk in the Spirit, to live according to the Spirit of life, free from the law of sin and death. Your Son has done this. It is so righteous. He's fulfilled every righteous requirement that's needed for intimacy with you, full connection with you, you inhabiting and dwelling us and being for us what we can't in any way begin to imagine how wonderful, how wonderful you are. And you've told us, Lord, that you want our minds set on what pleases the Spirit. What is it that the Spirit desires today? When we look at our life, Holy Spirit, what do you desire? What is it that you're pursuing? We know life and peace throughout your word is repeated over and over as those things that the Spirit desires for us to know, the fullness of your love. Oh, as you pour your love out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom you have given to us, we receive you, Holy Spirit, today. And we say thank you for pouring out the love of the Father for giving us life and peace. You've told us that we belong, that you live in us, (laughs) that you have redefined our identity to sons and daughters, sons and daughters of Jesus, of the Father, brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus. heirs of the Most High, co-heirs with Christ, those that have been given your glory. We say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.